Do you ever feel like you've missed out? Like your opportunity has passed? As if the wave to experience a full life has rolled out to sea, knowing it's gone for good. Missing one wave doesn't mean you've missed the rest. A new wave is coming. God is moving. Will you trust the wave maker? Morning, Bethel. <laughs> Excited to be here this morning with you guys. Um, I'm not going to say what's up. Sorry. Sorry, Papa. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to um, share this message with you guys. Um, but first, I wanted to to just take a second to pray, take a minute to pray um, for the McClendon family and the Daves. And uh, I think that's important. And I, you know, you guys have probably been praying before, and you'll keep praying um, after the service. Um, but I think it's important that we as a family come together and we. And we just pray for those that, that have had loss, and, and that's what we're here for. You know, that's why, that's why we're here, and um, that's why we're encouraging them, and, and that's why we're coming together, because we're believing that God can do something amazing. So um, let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. Um, I thank you for this morning, and God, that you bring us together, even in the midst of, of loss and heartache and, and in some pain and God, I just pray for, for Chad and his family and um, Cheryl and Shana and their family, God, and um, we just ask for their peace, God, a peace that only comes from you, God, a peace beyond, under, beyond our own understanding or whatever we can imagine, and just be with them today, God, see that, that they're Chris and that Regina, that they're in a better place, that they're rejoicing with you forevermore, and God, help them, help that to be a peace for them through this time and, and in this grieving time. And I just pray that we surround them, and, and as they're having funerals and other things this next week, God, that, that we can be there for them and we can love them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, as Christy said, uh, we're in our third week of the wave, and uh, the word of the year is engage. And when Ray said I could come and talk about, you know, engage and, and talk about this topic, I was really excited. Like, I didn't expect him to say I could come and preach again. I preached um, last August um, for you guys. and I was so excited to do that for the first time. And I was like, well, wow, once he saw me once, he doesn't want to see me again type of thing. And, but, <laughs> but, but he let me come back. And, and I'm so excited to actually speak on this topic. I was a little surprised, but I guess I should just start right in on it. So, yeah, so I guess this story started way back in October when I went to California to see Emily. And I went to Emily, who is now my fiance, was my girlfriend at the time. Um, <laughs> provide a little context there. But I went to see her dad and asked for his blessing. And I was already nervous because I had to figure out a time to ask him when she wouldn't find out and she wouldn't know. And so it's, I'm so nervous about it already. But then, add on to that, that her dad is 6'9". So, yeah, that doesn't help the situation that he could um, hurt me pretty badly if uh, this went wrong. So, 
but I, I went there and I was, I was nervous, but I talked to my dad before. I, was, I, I knew I, what I was going to say, what I was going to do, and it went well. And he didn't hurt me. He said yes. He said it was okay. He gave me his blessing. And so then we made a plan. His mom, his best friends, we all made a plan about how we were going to do it, where we were going to do it. We said, I'm going to do it at Yosemite National Park and in Northern California, and we're going we're gonna to just go see your brother and sister-in-law. That's all we're doing is we're going to visit, you know. But we had bigger plans. We had other plans. We're going to go up there. We're going to go to Yosemite. And so we get there to Yosemite National Park that morning. We're driving through. Her mom knows exactly where to go, um, exactly where the photographer is, exactly where we're going to do it, where we're going to do the whole thing. And we, sit, we, we get there, and... And I, we get out of the car. I have the ring. I'm so nervous. I'm like, okay, like I'm shaking, but I'm like, okay, we can do this. And we get to the meadow, and I'm like, Emily's looking out. She's taking pictures, and I start to talk and, and ask the question. I get the ring out, and I get down on one knee, and I'm like, okay, Emily, will you, will you marry me? Will you spend your life with me? And oh, it's not engage. Oh. Oh, like engage community, not my engagement. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, shoot. Okay. Uh, yeah, Taylor. Dang. Okay. I messed up. Um, <laughs> Taylor, yeah, just take out those photos and those videos um, I had of us. I guess you can, you can roll out the confetti cannon. We won't need that. Um, the ballon blaster. Um, no, guys, I'm not going to talk to you for 30 minutes about my engagement. I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and, and put you through that, even though, you know, my family would probably uh, say that I've already talked too much about it. But, um, but yes, this morning I'm going to talk about engaging in our community and what that looks like for each of us and how each of us can do our part in engaging our community. And so we're going to start um, in Acts chapter 3. And as we look at that passage, we see Peter and John are walking up to the temple, the temple of prayer, and at the hour of prayer. And then we go to verse 2 in that chapter, and we see a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, or alms was money or food or donations to the poor. And so he asked for these alms from those who entered the temple. And this lame man, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked them for these alms, asked them for help. And Peter and John, fixing their eyes on him, Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then he knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Isn't that an incredible story? Isn't that amazing? This man was lame since birth. Who knew how old he was now? But, you know, they say a man, so at least 25, 30. It had been a very long time that he'd been lame, probably asking for money and food and donations for a very long time without hope. 
And then one day, Peter and John came along. I don't know if this is, is your initial reaction when um, you're driving and you're stopping at a stoplight and you see um, a homeless person panhandling or you see someone on the side of the road. I don't know if you guys have this same reaction that I have, but so many times I just keep on driving. <laughs> so many times I don't even look in their direction. So many times it's like I got a mission. I got somewhere to be. I have some place I need to go. And I just, I, I can't even think of that. I can't even think of them in that time. And, and then a lot of times what does happen or what is, is um, what we don't want to happen happens where we go to that red light, we stop, and we're the first person there. And they're right next to us, right on the side of the road. And, and they see you, and they know that you see them. And it's just the most uncomfortable couple minutes of your life, you know, where, where you're just like, you, you're just waiting for that light to turn green. You're just like, oh, my gosh, feels like an eternity. Just please turn. Please turn. And it's just such an uncomfortable, like, situation and uncomfortable time. And, guys, I'm not saying I don't do this, too. I, I've done this so many times. And, and, and you know, especially when they're on, the, like, a street and you're walking somewhere and, you, and they're begging for something, like, you just feel unsafe or uncomfortable and you just don't know how to react in that situation. And I'm not saying it's something that I don't do, too. I just think it's an interesting reaction we all have. When we see someone in need, like, that's the reaction of, like, just ignore or, or move on. And it makes me think of, like, I wonder if Peter and John acted that same way or they used to act that same way when they saw, you know, a beggar. Like when they were younger, um, you know, when, when they just had their occupations um, before Jesus, before that time. Like, I wonder if they just moved on. If they were too busy, they weren't stopping at red lights, but I, I, I think they... You know, they were walking to wherever they needed to go and, and too busy. And I wonder if they did the same thing. And now I'm not saying, um, like, I know, like, how they used to act. We don't, we don't know. We don't know how they used to be. We don't know how they used to act towards those people. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us any of those things. So we can just kind of guess. But what I can tell you is what they saw and what they experienced. And when we look at the Gospels, we see many instances of some experiences they had with Jesus. And so first we're going to look at, look at one experience Peter had with Jesus. And so we see Peter in the middle of the sea, a raging storm in his path, when he saw Jesus walk on water. So we go to Matthew here, and it says, The boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Now, Peter was in the boat with a few other disciples, and it was in the middle of the night, and he was freaking out because the storm was coming. And, you know, at that time, they didn't have the same probably technology with their boats, and, and who knows if they were going to survive this? I mean, there was not good chances. It was crazy, and, and, and they were just scared out of their mind. And then we see here, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. <laughs> and it says when they saw him, they were terrified. I can imagine you're, you're trying to just survive this storm and trying to figure out how to get to land. And then on top of that, this weird figure is walking on the water towards you. I'd be a little freaked out like, okay, what's going on? I don't, I don't know what's going on. They thought it was a ghost that says. And then Jesus called out to them and said, do not be afraid. But that wasn't, that wasn't enough for Peter. Peter's like, I don't, I don't know just yet. I don't know if that's you. I think that's some other ghost. <laughs> but... Peter answers him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 
And Jesus said, come. So what does Peter do? He takes that step. And then moments later, he realizes, okay, I'm walking on water. Wow, I probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> this isn't normal. And it makes me think of like Looney Tunes where, you know, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote are running and Wiley Coyote runs off the side of a cliff and, and he just keeps on going. Like, it's normal. That's a normal thing to be able to do. And, and, then he, and then he looks down and he looks at the camera and he looks down and he's like, oh, wait, there's this thing called gravity. So I should be falling now. And it just makes me think of Peter here as we go on in the passage. Peter says, you know, it says, when we saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out. Lord, save me. And it would, at first it's like he says he saw the wind and he was sinking and he's like, okay, he looks down. He's like, I can see him looking up at Jesus and he looks down again and he's like, oh, I can't. This is like, I'm terrified. Like, I can't do this. And so he's like, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him. You guys wonder what Peter was thinking when he's walking up to the temple at the hour of prayer, when he saw that man on the side of the road and he fixed his eyes on him. Do you think maybe Peter saw himself in that man just a little? You think maybe he saw his own hopelessness. You know, when he was hopeless, he says, you know, I was hopeless. I was drowning. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved me. He helped me when I couldn't help myself, when I was weak. I can do the same for that man. I can help him too. I can help him when he can't help himself. And then we look to John. And, and we go to Luke, a passage in Luke about Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, who had a daughter who many had thought had already passed away. And Jairus, um, everyone knew him. Everyone knew Jairus. He was a, was a big man on campus. He... He, everyone knew who this was, and they were like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's Jairus' daughter. And, and then some even said to him, Jairus, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Don't trouble Jesus. It's no use. Your daughter is gone. But Jesus heard, and as we see here in Luke, Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Imagine being there that day. Imagine being John in that day. You're, you're, it's kind of like a reality TV, like, oh, man, this big guy, he's like, his daughter passed away, and everyone thinks she's gone. And then, oh, Jesus, Jesus is about to do something. He's like, hold up. Hold up a second. Just wait. I'm about to do something amazing. And then I imagine John being there with the other disciples, like, lined up in a class where it's like, you want to be that one kid picked out to get the special prize. And he's just like, please let me in the house. Please let me in the house. Please let me come and see. And... And then we see in that passage, and when Jesus came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James. Yes, I made it. I made it. <laughs> and the father and mother of the child. Imagine John that day. He's like, yes, I made it in. He's like, I'm getting my popcorn ready. I'm getting ready to see something incredible. See, some, see Jesus do something amazing. And then we see here in the next part of the passage, all were weeping and mourning for her. But Jesus said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Like, what are you talking about? She's not sleeping. We felt her pulse. She's gone. And then John's like, you guys shouldn't have said that. 
He shouldn't have said that. But Jesus, taking her by the hand, he said, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. You think as John was approaching the temple of prayer with Peter, you think as John fixed his eyes on that lame man, he didn't maybe see himself in that lame man too. He maybe didn't see how he was that fisher and he was lost without hope for so many years. And Jesus came to him and said, I will make you a fisher of men. And you're going to see some incredible things. And you think John didn't think back to Jairus. And Jesus, when no one believed, said, when they laughed at him, said, I'm going to bring her back. She will be well. And you think John didn't think. When he looked at that lame man and he said, look at us, look at us. He didn't say, I can help this man too. I can help him, just like Jesus helped me. I can be there for him. Guys, Peter and John saw some incredible, incredible miracles of God. They saw some amazing things. They saw him do incredible things in their lives, personally, and how he brought them out of, the, out of being lost and into, you know, incredible, incredible life with him. And then, and how they, they saw him do incredible miracles. And guys, I believe that that is what caused them to fix their eyes on that lame man that day. They had seen what Jesus had done. They'd seen what he'd done for others. They remembered what he did for them. And it caused them, it pushed them to say, I want to do that for other people. I want to help someone else in need. And guys, Jesus found each one of us. He found us and he told us we can become fishers of men, each and every one of us. And guys, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to volunteer out of the soup kitchen here in town. We don't have to wait to help at the manna pantry. We can go. We don't have to wait to say, oh, that, that neighbor of mine can't pay their bills this month. You can be that help. Or that person in your apartment complex that, that can't get school supplies for their kids. You can help. Or maybe that person right next to you this morning that just needs some help. It can be you. Guys, we don't have to wait to join Jesus to engage our community. We don't have to wait to, to say, okay, this is when Jesus is going to call me, and then I'm just going to wait for that, and then, and then it's just going to happen. No, Jesus had already done so much in our lives, has done miracles in and through our lives, has helped us through so much. We can join him right now. About four years ago, I had a pretty major life change. I went to college. It was a time of first for me. My first time being away from home, about two hours away in Tulsa. Um, my first time going to a different church, kind of going by myself. And uh, my first time failing a class. Just kidding, Mom. It didn't, didn't happen. didn't happen. <laughs> um, but also, it was my first time ever running out of money. And growing up, like middle school, high school, like I just never had to really worry about money. It was like I'd have summer jobs and I'd do guitar lessons. I'd get a little money here or there, but I never really had to worry about that. I always knew I was going to be provided for. I always knew I was going to have enough, and it was never really a thought that crossed my mind until my freshman year of college, about six months in, I lost my wallet. That happens a lot to me. It's not, it's not the, the best uh, habit of mine, but yeah, I lost my wallet, and 
I uh, was kind of <laughs> scavenging for a few bucks here or there, and I had this coin jar, and I was, I was the, the coins were slowly dwindling out of the jar over time, and I just remember one Sunday, about a couple weeks after I lost my wallet, I went to church that morning, and I put some gas in my car with the last few coins I had in that coin jar, the last couple of dollars I had left, and I was going to make it to church, and then make it back, and then I was just, I didn't know. I, I was kind of out. I didn't know what else I was going to do, and... I just remember as I'm going to church, and as I get there, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And I'm, like, texting my mom in the service, during the middle of the service, just not even really listening to the pastor at all. I'm just thinking, oh, how am I going to get through this? Like, how am I going to get it? And I know I'm going to be okay. It's one of those things, like, you know, you're going to be fine. I'm going to figure it out. But in the moment, you're kind of freaking out. And, and I remember during the service, I'm just texting her, like, what are my options? Like, what? Like, how can I get some money? Like, what can I do to, to get this right now? What can I do to, to get what I need? And, and then I remember the service ended. Didn't really remember what the pastor said, but I started walking out, and I felt his hand on my shoulder. And I turned around, and this older man and lady were standing there, and she put out her hand towards me. And I thought she was wanting to, like, shake my hand, and so, like, I was, I was going in for that. And then I looked in her hand, and she had something. It was a $100 bill. And I was just in shock. I was, I was really in shock. And, and she told me, um, she was like, well, during the service, I was sitting next to you, and I kind of overlooked uh, you, some of your texts. I was kind of looking at some of your texts, which at the time I thought it was a little creepy. Um, but, <laughs> but she's like, I saw your text that you were texting your mom, and I saw you didn't really have the money you needed. And so my husband and I were talking, and we just felt the Lord calling us to give you this money. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was really amazed that, like, I was freaking out. I was scared. I didn't know what I was going to do. And she helped me. And they helped me. And I had never seen those people before. <laughs> I had never seen them before. I've never seen them since. But I'm never going to forget them. I'm never going to forget what they did for me that day. I really never will. It was such an incredible, incredible blessing. And they didn't know anything about me. They didn't know if I'd been to church before, what I'd done, what I was even going to do with that money. But they didn't care. They wanted to help. They felt God prompting them to help, and they did. Now, in looking at the Old Testament, God had his struggles with Israel. The people disobeyed him many times, turning from the Lord. God had a list. He could probably lay it out. He could write down all the different things they did wrong in the Old Testament. They messed up a lot, as we all do. And they, and they had so many things that they did. But, but God still wrote this in Hosea 11. It said, in spite of all that, this is what the Lord says. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And as they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. And I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. In spite of everything, in spite of all their stuff, God loved them anyways. He loved them when they were a child. He loved them. Despite he didn't care what they had done before, the sins they had committed, the things they had done in the past, or what they would do in the future, he still loved them. And I loved the last part of that. God stooped down and fed them. Isn't that incredible? God stooped down and fed them. 
It makes me think when, you know, someone's sick and they're so sick and they can't even get out of bed and they don't even have the strength to lift themselves up out of bed at all. And someone's there like feeding them and helping them through this time, this, this hurt and their weakness. And, and they're going down to feed them and like, yeah, they can't, the person can't even lift themselves up to get some food to eat. So the person has to stoop down to their level and feed them. They have to stoop down to them when in their weakness and help them. And, it, and that makes me think of, of God and, and how we were, we are in our weakness and our sin and our shame, too weak to even lift ourselves up at all. And God sent Jesus to this earth, stooped down to our level where we were as a man. Jesus came and he fed us with the bread of eternal life. He stooped down and he came when we were weak in our sin and our shame and we couldn't help ourselves. He stooped down to our level. He loved us so much and he fed us. He made us well and he gave us strength and he got us through it. And not only did he stoop down and he fed us, but once we started to gain our strength again, get past that sickness, as we gained our strength, as Jesus entered our hearts for the first time, God set us on a mission. God didn't just say, okay, I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you, like, Jesus into your heart, and then, okay, you can just do whatever you want in this life, and then, you know, and you'll go to heaven. That's not what God's purpose was. It was never God's purpose. God had a mission for us, and God said, hey, you got some, you got some stuff to do now that, now that you're saved, now that you have strength. You got to help others. We have a purpose here on this earth. As Matthew 5 says here, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. I feel like this is one of those parts there where God says, therefore, this is like a therefore statement. Therefore, since you are the light of the world, therefore, since you are a city set on a hill, therefore, since I, I stooped down, and when you were weak, I fed you, and I gave you life. Therefore, since I helped you, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Guys, you're not in the darkness any longer. We have life. We have light in us now that Jesus is in our heart. And since God came down and helped us and got us out of the darkness and stooped down and fed us, he came to our level in Jesus. Now we can do the same for others. Now we can be a light into others. Now God has called us to do more to take that step ourselves. We have strength now. We're not sick and, and low anymore. We can help other people. Guys, there's so many in your community in need. <laughs> there's that freshman in college who just ran out of money that needs someone to see him. There is a food pantry, like I said before, that, that could use workers, that could use help. There are a couple families right now that, that just lost some loved ones that need people in their church right now to just send them a text on Facebook or bring them some food. Just tell them you love them. You know, and there's people all around you. And, and I know that, that Bethel, like Ray this past year, has done incredible things and, and started to do different service opportunities in the community. And maybe you haven't taken that step yourself to, to say, I, like, I just didn't feel comfortable going out to do that or I didn't have the time. Well, this year, maybe you can make the time. Go out in the community with our church. Go out and serve those in our community. Jesus stepped out of heaven to serve us. It's our turn to serve others. It's our turn 
to help our community, to help others who just cannot help themselves. Will you guys bow your heads? Maybe this morning, God is speaking to your heart. And you know what Jesus has done for you. You know how he came down, he stooped down, he fed you, gave you life when you couldn't help yourself. When you were weak in your sin and your shame, God loved you enough to help you. And maybe this morning, you're really thinking like, man, I want to do that myself. And maybe you've served in your community in the past, but you want to get back to it. You want to get back into that. Or maybe you've never really taken that step to serve in your community. And for the very first time, you want to help others. For the very first time, you want to see and fix your eyes on those in need around you. If that is you, would you raise your hand this morning? I see you guys. And I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that you can take that step. I'm praying that if it's through Bethel, that you can ask and you can get involved in, in our community programs. Or God, if it's, if it's just seeing someone need around you in, in your class or in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex or whatever it may be, that for you, I'm going to pray that each of you can take that step maybe for the first time to help someone in need or, or maybe you can continue that and continue to serve others because God first served you. Or maybe this morning, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've ever really heard about Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. And maybe for the first time, you're weak and you're sin and you're shame. And maybe for the first time you say, I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want Jesus to make me new. I want to have that light in me. I want to, to be made new too. And maybe you've never made that decision, and this morning you want to do that for the very first time. If that is you, would you raise your hand? Dear Lord, I thank you for this, this morning, and I thank you, God, for bringing our church together, and even in a time of heartache and hurt, bringing us together as one and looking into your word and looking, God, at, at what you want to do in our lives, and um, God, I just pray that that everyone here, um, whether they have served in the community before, or whether they maybe want to take that step of faith, God, that you work on their hearts, you help them to see those people in need around them, you help them to see how they can get involved, and they see what Jesus, you have done for them, what you have done for them on the cross, and they want to do the same for others. They want to help someone else in need. And I pray for us this morning as we go out that you open our eyes. You open our eyes to the need around us that we can love others like you first loved us. Jesus, name I pray. Amen. They're going to come up and sing again and, and worship, uh, do a few more songs of worship. And, and um, this next song um, is talk about the goodness of God. And um, and just as we're singing, just think about how God helped you, how God stooped down and fed you when you were lost. And just remember what he's done for you and give him the glory and the honor and tell him how good he is this morning.